I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. Fly fishing takes us to incredible places, right in our backyard and all the way across the world. We are here to tell the stories of those adventures. Today we catch up with our friend Sindri uh, in Iceland, and Sindri is one of the partners and guides with Fish Partner in Iceland. And they guide all throughout the country on the famed Lake Thingvallavatn and into the highlands, any variety of species. Absolutely. We were scheduled to fish with Sindri in Iceland and do a, a pretty great trip here in a month or two. And we're not going to be able to do that this year, we don't think. So we wanted to catch up with Sindri and learn a little bit more about what we're going to be missing. But don't worry. We'll find our time to get back out there when all things are back to normal. For sure. If you like big brown trout, this is a really fun episode. We love big brown trout. Uh, Just learning a little bit more about some of the fisheries in Iceland. Um, Fascinating stuff. So enjoy. Yeah. Here we go. Here comes Sindri. Sindri, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing, Garrison? We are doing good. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Not much. It's either fish or talk about fishing these days. Nothing else. You're stuck at home where you're on the water. I know. As long as we can at least talk about fishing, we'll make it through. Right. I wish our local water resembled your local water, but we'll get more to that later, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So, Sindri is joining us from Iceland. Can you just briefly kind of tell us where you are right now? What's happening up north? So, I am in my home office now, home in Reykjavik, Iceland. No fishing today, just doing some emails. And, yeah, we're about the same as everywhere else. Everyone else on, like, semi-lockdown. And, but at least we can still fish. So, that's that's a plush. Yeah, that's huge, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, we had... Well, I guess we still technically have a trip on the books to come fish with you um, in June. It's currently April here in Colorado. I don't anticipate we'll be able to do that this year, but uh, we are regardless really looking forward to come fish with you whenever we do get that chance. Yeah, if we don't get to see you in two months, we'll at least get to see you down the line and come check out what Iceland has to offer. We're so excited. Yeah. In the meantime, we're hoping to kind of live vicariously here through you and and get some stories and kind of set the stage on the Iceland fishery a little bit. Oh, my pleasure. And we're real excited to have you guys. Uh, like it's looking more more unlikely that we'll be able to do it this year, I think. Or we're booked for like early June. Yeah. It's looking a little shaky with even if there will be flights at that point. Right. But yeah. It'll be a good trip, by the way. Well, like you, we had a lot of variety. You guys are doing a few different fisheries all over the country and adding in some touring as well, some sightseeing. So it'll be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. As I recall, our day one, we were supposed to hop off the plane and hit Lake Thingvallavatn like right away. Yeah. I mean, it's only about 30, 40 minute drive from the airport. All the flights are coming in six, seven in the morning. So people are up for it. They just go fishing right away. I love that. We're usually up for something like that. Oh, for sure. Well, oh, speaking God, of the gotcha. of the big lake, 
thing blah blah and excuse our Americanized uh, pronunciation on that one. Um, I know that's one of the main and maybe most famous brown trout fisheries in the country. Can you just tell us a little bit about that lake and that fishery? So Lake Sinclair is the largest natural lake in Iceland. It's about 32 square miles, but uh, the main body of water. There's also some tributary rivers. There's two other lakes connected to it. So it's a slightly larger fishery than that. But uh, it houses these brown trout that just get absolutely enormous. For like American listeners, I'd say if you fish Pyramid Lake, it's like that, but with brown trout. Like I went to Pyramid a few years ago and I felt a lot of similarities in between those two fisheries. So you have to put in some work. The weather can be a little, it's a big lake, it can blow a little bit, but there's some absolutely huge brown trout in there. And they're actually, uh, there are different subspecies of brown trout, in fact. They're called the Ice Age brown trout. They believe they were got trapped in that lake uh, during the last Ice Age, about 11,000 years ago. And they That's were, so cool. Before that, they were sea-run browns. And in that massive lake, they still behave like sea-run browns. Like most other places in Iceland you fish, browns will be the same. They'll be territorial. They'll have their water. But in that lake, they will actually school up. Right. Well, and the coloration has a, I mean, it's unique for sure, but it has some of the like sea run characteristics in terms of their markings and coloration. Yeah. A lot of, you get a lot of them like real silvery with black spots. And I'm sure some of that is genetics and some of that is just a function of being in such big, deep water as compared to most brown trout that we target. Exactly. And another special variation, the reason, one of the reasons why they get so big is for some reason, these fish only spawn every two to three years and they don't get like start spawning until they're six, seven years old. Whereas a typical brown trout will only live seven, eight years. So it'll be spawning much sooner. So for the first years of their life, they're just packing on weight. And then after that, they'll spawn every two years or so. So they have that extra year to pack on weight. That's awesome. Wow. And is there like a tagging program? Like, do you have any idea how old they get? So the oldest we know that is tagged, there's a biologist called Johannes, and actually if there's anyone interested in learning more about the study of the brown trout, uh, you should, I'll send you a link, you should read his website, part of it is in English, some fascinating research he's done on that. But the oldest tagged one, I believe, was upward to 20 years old. Wow, that's the pretty cool. one we know. And that fish was tagged when he was just spawning for the first time about 13 years ago, and he showed up for spawning again this last fall wow (laughs) that's That's amazing that's so cool we always joke about how we want to catch grandpa the trout yeah, that's yeah, grandpa. grandpa the truck. Yeah, he's <laughs> in that lake for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I just recently learned that there's also some pretty nice char in the lake. Yeah, uh, so there's it's a large lake and it has four different subspecies of morphs of Arctic char. One of them uh, we call a mushta. It's a tiny char that's pretty much the main feed source for the brown trout. I was going to say, then that sounds go. like trout snacks. Yeah, and we all know that yeah. Arctic char are one of the more delicious delicious uh creatures exactly. out there so so who can blame them but <laughs> besides the mushta which is the 
there's another char called the dwarf char. We never see them because they live right at the bottom in deep cracks and don't get big. But the two of the ones we like catching are there's a snail-eating char. There's a lot of snails living on the bottom of the lake, and uh, these chars specialize in eating snails off the bottom. So if you're fishing for them, you're, like, dragging nymphs along the bottom real slow. Get out the snail get... fly, I guess, huh? Yeah, exactly. But they can get <laughs> decent size, like three, four, five pounds maybe. And then there's no I'm gonna put you I'm gonna put your pronunciation now. Uh Piscavarius char morph in the lake as well. Which okay. is basically they eat other Arctic char, they eat stickleback, which is another bait fish in the lake, and they can get massive. Right. Piscavorius meaning they eat other fish, so they're yeah. predatory. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, it's actually And how very... how big do those those char that eat the other fish get? So eh, typical one you would catch would be anywhere three to eight pounds, but I mean I've seen pictures of upward to fifteen pound char, but like they're in no way common. Yeah. And tend to live in a little deeper water as well. But your typical Arctic char uh, predator one would be three, four, five pounds. Nice. Absolutely gorgeous colorations. That's pretty cool. That is not bad for local water because the lake is not far from Reykjavik where you live. No, I was fishing there a couple of days ago. It's about, yeah, 25 minute drive from my house in downtown Reykjavik. That's not bad at all. No, not (laughs) bad at all. Okay, so we'll come back to the lake and kind of circle back on that, I think, later. But based on our itinerary uh, that we had planned, our trip that that we're going to do here at some point, we're also going to spend some time up in the highlands fishing some of the, um, I don't know, to me, the landscape looks sort of quintessentially Icelandic, these big canyons with waterfalls and kind of smaller to medium-sized rivers. And can you tell us a little bit about the fishery in the highlands up there? So that you were scheduled to head up to Kaltakis and Tungna, where we have a lottery run up there. that is in the South Highlands, and that's a completely different fishery. Uh, down in the lake, it's all about putting in the work to get one of those big boys. Up in the Highlands, it, you can get high numbers of fish per day. You don't get 20-pound brown trout, but you can get three, four, five-pound brown trout, a lot of Arctic char, and there's a lot more sight fishing, and like you said, these absolutely gorgeous scenery, gorgeous and volcanic desert, waterfalls, and sight fishing, dry flies. So it's a completely different kind of feel to fishing. Yeah. And you really feel like you're completely out there there. Right. Sounds amazing in its own right. And are all those fish uh, resident then, or are any of those fish like sea run or running out of other lakes, or are they pretty much just residents? So up there, they're not sea run up there. Too many waterfalls in the way, but uh, there we get like both resident to the river and fish that are coming up from the lake and going back and back and forth. That's awesome. Well, we also were hoping that you could share a couple like memorable stories. We just want to hear it. So uh, usually, like I grew up fishing, but like grew up with my dad and my grandfather, and we'd always like go spin fishing or bait fishing or stuff like that. 
and then it evolved into you picked up fly fishing and but was, we still always had like a yearly trip where i go with my grandfather my brother my dad and we just like rent a cabin somewhere and do some fishing so it must have been maybe seven years ago or so we got a cabin we're fishing this beautiful lake for arctic char and me and my brother were doing absolutely fantastic we were just slaying it char after char but they were eating there was like a midge hatch on so they were just cute on them these tiny little midges and you're just catching fish after fish and my grandpa was probably 82 at the time and carries around a like big oxygen tank and a walking cane uh-huh all right so he was getting up there but he still went fishing but so he was using the spinner and there was absolutely nothing going on they were just eating midges and nothing else interested them so after about a day and a half of that he, he finally came and said guys okay now you're gonna teach me how to fly fish like i'm done i want to catch fish <laughs> he wants to listen to his younger grandsons i love it so we get him set up with a rod he waits out to a little like because that fish were a little bit ways out but so we had to wait onto onto a kind of platform like a rock platform that was out there where he put his lawn chair and his oxygen tank oxygen tank right in the water and started casting and we got him casting lessons right there and probably five ten minutes later he finally hooks his first fish on a fly rod and me and my brother are like woohoo his <laughs> pumps and real excited and everything uh, then it comes time to net it and we're like oh it's a pretty decent char for here it's I mean it's a mountain lake so like it was one one and a half pounds nothing big but like good for there and we're using light tackle so I start moving it in to get it to the net uh, and just as he does that the fish takes a big run off and spins some line off and goes right across my body oh, so no. I had two choices I could break off my grandfather's first fish on a fly rod or I could duck and I decided to duck and it ended up that I was doing backstrokes in the middle of the lake trying <laughs> to get back on my feet while my brother obviously just laughing is <laughs> laughing like crazy and in no way helping me so I'm trying to get uh, his second net in to grab the fish and help my grandpa he nets the fish for him like hands the fish to my grandfather and I'm still just paddling on my back there trying to get ashore and then they finally decide they should like oh let's make maybe help him up let's see if we, at that point obviously my weight was completely full with water and yeah but he got his fish and uh, yeah, I was pretty stoked about that. I think that was one of the, like, my best fishing memory. My grandpa getting that first fish on a fly rod in after he taught me to fish when I was a kid. And then I could teach him how to fly fish 20 years later. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Such a great First fish circle. on the fly at 82. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, so great because usually it goes the opposite way. I mean, a lot of people obviously learn from their older generations how to fish, and then it naturally evolves to fly fishing, but you kind of do that together as a family. I think it's a good way to spend time with your family, do some fishing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love it. That's so cute. Neither Garrison or I have family members who fish besides each other, so... 
We're a little I, bit. I mean, you guys fish more than most, so you got each other. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, cool. Well, I have a question for you. What is the biggest brown that you've seen in person out of the lake, out of Thing Balabatan? In person would be 40 inches about, yeah, it would be just shy of probably 25, 26 pounds, something like that. Wow. Biggest oh we know about that's been caught on the lake was, I think it was 44, if not 45 inches and about 36 pounds. Oh my gosh. Wow. But those, those are obviously the abnormal ones. There are huge ones, but th- those are just beyond it. Your, like, typical absolutely giant fish are going to be 30, 35 inches. Be a really good fish to get. Right. I mean, anywhere you got a chance at a three-footer is a pretty incredible yeah. fishery. Yeah, the old one-meter-long The fish. old one-meter <laughs> resident brown trout. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's it. I've been fishing that lake my whole life, and I really want to get one one day. But the biggest I've ever gotten was 93 centimeters, which would be 37 inches. Yeah, I mean, that's three feet. Like that. That's, Holy that's amazing. smokes. Well, we've been laughing talking about how big the fish are in Iceland and you know because we've known you now for a while and we've been wanting to fish Iceland now we finally have our trip planned even if it's going to be more in the future now Um, we posted one of your photos the other day of Christian with a giant brown trout and of course the people automatically are like oh that's photoshopped oh yeah I saw some of those (laughs) we we, we got a good angle on the photo so it looks big but I mean obviously you want to get the fish in the photo but that fish was 85 centimeters I mean that is a huge fish I know we were we were laughing so hard because it's like yeah the arms extended it's a good angle but right well I I added to the I added to the conspiracy theorist because I sharpened up his eye a little bit because the fish is a little bit out of focus so there was people like oh the fly is blurry it's obviously been photoshopped and I'm like okay whoa well I did sharpen (laughs) up the eye a tiny bit but otherwise this thing's straight out of the camera guys exactly we had a good night though I think that was last Monday basically took a day where me Christian and a few of our guides just went out and had some fun Oh, God. Okay. Well, now I am maybe more sad that we're not going. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, we're going eventually. Just we're going to have to see if it'll be June or this fall or next year or what. Yeah. What's your preferred time? Because you have a specific season that you're allowed to fish, but what's your preferred time to fish? So it depends if you want to fish the lake, you want to be there like it opens April 15th and you want to be April, May, first few weeks of June and then again in the fall, like late August, September. Those are the times like height of summer, like mid-June throughout July, they tend to head to more deeper water. But in that spring season, they're coming coming into those shallows, just getting the first feet of the season. The shallows warming up faster, and then they're coming back closer to the shore in preparation for the spawn again in the fall. That's awesome. But then, 
But then if you want to fish like uh, the Highland Rivers, then you want to be June, July, August. Salmon fishing starts in June, but and like goes throughout September. If you want sea run browns, it's fall or spring. So like our season is pretty much April 1st through October 20th. It just depends what you want to target, what's the best time in that. Um, do you have any other fun stories to tell us? So most of my stories end up with me floating down river, actually. I don't know like that. Uh, <laughs> We're not so opposed to that. This would have been in, what, 2013, I think. Uh, uh, Christian, my partner in Fish Party, he started the company in 2013. Uh, just hired me as a guide to start with. The end of the first season, like, he, we all went, like, all the guides and, like, the owners and everyone went, went on a trip for Sea Run Browns. End the season off with a big fishing trip. All the guys staying at that one really nice lot, fishing a river called Eltvat or Firewater River, which is uh, one of the more famous sea run brown trout rivers in Iceland. So we go, start fishing, and like conditions weren't great. We weren't fishing that well, but me and Christian are fishing like the upper reaches uh, of the river, and it's a uh, it's a fairly large river. It's not huge, but it's you're not wading across it. But in the upper section, the river forks into like has like these little islands, the multiple uh, runs, and just forks into many ones. So you can go hop between those and like fish different pockets. So I'm fishing uh, in one of those forks, and Christian's a little below me, fishing a different one. Uh, he hooks a fish. Like, finally, we'd be like, oh, we've got in some fish. And he yells, hey, bring the camera down. Because I had borrowed my brother's uh, brand new Canon 5D camera. Which, I don't know if you're familiar with cameras, but those were really, really expensive. Yeah, my dad shoots a 5D Mark II to this day. It's, a, it's still a good camera. It's still a good camera, but uh, Christian yells, oh, bring the camera, because we want to, obviously, you're fishing, you're in the fishing business. Every time you're fishing, you also have to get marketing material. So I start hopping across the river and to bring the camera to take a picture of this fish Christian is fighting. So I cross the first fork, fine, get to the second fork, take one step, and the entire bank underneath me just collapses. Oh, and, no. Uh, I, you, just, you know when you step in, like you're waiting, and you step in, and you just feel like this bottom is not solid. It is just oh, yeah. pure mud. So I step in that, and before I know it, I'm floating down river, holding my camera, like trying to keep it above <laughs> water. And I'm floating right into the pool that Christian is fighting this fish in. <laughs> I get into the like get into the pool, manage to get myself on shore. Christian's trying to land the fish. I grab the camera, already completely drowned the camera. It is this would have been like late September, early October in Iceland, so temperatures would have been in like 35, 40 degrees. Yeah. Water temperature pretty similar. So you get chilly pretty fast. But we get the fish in. I try to get the camera 
gone. It's dead. Bring up my phone. It's dead. And <laughs> no way to get a picture of the fish. We release the fish, and the first thing Christian does is yell at me for spooking the whole pool. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fisherman after my own heart. I like that. Uh, exactly. And but we also had to like have a 30-minute walk back to the truck in wet waiters and it was a unpleasant experience i was pretty happy when i saw the hot tub when i got back to the lot oh i I bet yeah it's one thing to go swimming to help your grandpa on his first fish on the fly it's another for a friend right it's another for a friend yeah yeah uh, well um if you wouldn't mind giving info for how people can get a hold of you and fish partner um yeah so you can go to fishpartner.com you can hit us up at instagram or facebook just at fishpartner you can hit me up on instagram at i'm sure everyone can write that on the first try yeah (laughs) we'll spell that out for the people yeah fantastic and for all those people here in the states that love to try to figure out how to do it on their own i know um iceland is a a tough place to do that and i think it's a place where you really want to go with um, somebody who is at least kind of organizing and helping you figure out where to access and do some fishing but can you speak to that a little bit for people who are wanting to try to to fish some of these places they're mostly private is that correct it's pretty much all private water so like even uh, rivers and lakes on public land are usually leased out to outfitters angling clubs or something like that right but like you can't we there's you can't do it yourself trips like and we arrange a lot of those but you pretty much always have to go through a different outfitter or something just to just for the access and such right but there's like everyone has this image in their mind that Iceland is exceptionally expensive and in some parts that's true but I mean you can't do cheap budget trips to Iceland assuming flights are ever back on but you can also do ridiculously expensive fancy lodge stays it just depends what you're looking for I think if you're gonna do like a high-end lodge for primetime Atlantic salmon on a name you know a a well-known river you're going to pay the price. But, you know, for what we were mainly speaking to on this podcast and what we're really trying to target when we go on our trip is, uh, you know, the brown trout and some char. Um, it, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, no, for brown, like pretty much until about, I would say 15 years ago, 20 years ago, no one really cared about trout fishing in Iceland. Like people that came here, they came for salmon fishing and like locals had in their mind kind of like, oh, trout, it's just like whatever. But then people started posting pictures of how big some of the trout in Iceland can become. So they started getting a little more notice. But in general, prices in salmon fishing are going to be way, way, higher than trout fishing and I mean like most people can't afford it I know I can't but like trout fishing char fishing you can like anyone can like reasonably expect to be able to arrange a trip and like have a fantastic trip with great fishing and gorgeous scenery uh, without having to take a third mortgage on their house (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) perfect well and you guys at fish partner are awesome because you can arrange sort of the trip that people want it's not just uh, this is the week program that we do and no no 
come no, check no. it out. You guys do very awesome customized itineraries. Yeah, we have. Uh, we run a few different lodges all over the country. Uh, we have multiple locations, different kind of fisheries. We got fisheries with high number small fish. We got fisheries with low number big sizes and everything in between. And we do like we have trips way in the outback where literally all you can have is a tent. There's no nothing else. You can you can camp and you can hike, or you can come stay at a mid-range lodge or a high-end lodge and pretty much everything in between. That's cool. I love it. Well, uh, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time and joining us, and we can't wait to see you over there. Oh, can't wait for you guys to be finally allowed over here. <laughs> Have a good time. Don't cut awesome. all the fish before we get there. Yeah, send us some photos of some big brown trout here because we need to live vicariously, okay? I will. Okay. And if it's not this summer, at least show you during show season, and we'll plan for next year then. That's exactly. It. We can't wait. Cool. Cheers. Thanks so much, Sindri. Thanks, Sindri. Take care, guys. Bye. Nice chatting with you. Bye. Just a quick show note. After we stopped recording and we were still chatting with Sindri, he let us know that the research that the biologist has done on the brown trout in Lake Thingvolavatn actually has protected a lot of the spawning habitat for those brown trout. And because of that, they are still around. Otherwise, many researchers believe that they would have gone extinct because of the detriment to their habitat. So that's pretty awesome. And as we've mentioned a few times, we really can't wait to see that place in those fish in person. Huge thanks to Sindri and Fish Partner for joining us today. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water. Your hosts are me, Corinne Doctor, and Garrison Doctor. And a big thanks to Sam Williamson for the mandolin jingle that you hear at the top and right now at the bottom of the show. If you have any fishing stories of your own or if you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at tellusafishingstory at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.